You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. up bro okay good evening blue jays fans and welcome to another edition of jay bird watching we are part of the stadium scene.tv network of course check out our patreon to support the show i am your host this evening adam corsair and joining me are the usual co-hosts mr brendan pennicar and craig borden gentlemen how are we Wonderful, buddy. How about you? <laughs> Hanging in there. I mean, like, nothing exciting happened today. There was no grand <laughs> victory. And we did. It's not like we took a series or anything, but I'm, I'm nothing okay. Exciting. No, yeah. no bow flows, no nothing. No, no, no. <laughs> you know what I realized, gentlemen, is that not only am I now the only Canadian of the three of us, but I am now the only one without at least one dose of a vaccine. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, guy. <laughs> True. But, hey, I know that I will be one of the last ones because, hey, I don't leave my house very much during the week, just once or twice per week to go to either the grocery store, pick up some beer, and that's it. So that's fine with me. Okay. <laughs> there you go, buddy. I got, uh, I got that second dose on Saturday coming, and uh, I'm going to be out cold probably on Sunday. And my wife has it Monday, and she's probably going to be out cold Tuesday. But, you know, otherwise. I might tap out, just saying. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm looking forward to today to just sleep and, you know, hopefully it's not too brutal. But anyways. I digress. 
so, gentlemen, the Jays have wrapped up their latest series against the Yankees, walking it off and taking two out of three games with a record now of six and six. They are a 500 ball club. Uh, pretty up and down thus far, but the season is still young and plenty of baseball left to play. Now, before I begin, I want to note that our schedule will be shifting slightly. Normally, as of tonight, we go on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, pretty much every Wednesday. We're going to shift gears next week, and for the next three weeks after that, we'll be joining you live on Thursdays. So mark your calendars for April 22nd, 29th, May 6th, and May 13th. We'll be broadcasting for your listening and viewers on those Thursdays. Um, That being said... Before jumping into tonight's show, uh, gentlemen, we've had two series, as I mentioned, one against L.A. and, of course, the aforementioned New York series. Uh, in a general sense, Brent, we'll start with you. What stood out to you, and uh, how do you feel about this team thus far? Again, it's just early, 12 games deep for this team. But what has stood out for you that uh, may be glaring, may be concerning? What do you got? Yeah, that's a good question, Adam. I, um, I'm honestly thrilled that they're six and six because I know we were high after that first Yankee series and rightfully so going into the Bronx and taking two out of three. And you know what? There was a chance that they could have swept it. I mean, stripling wasn't too bad on that second uh, regular season game. But shifting gears, there's a lot that's happened since then. There's been more injuries to the pitching staff, particularly in the bullpen. Um, we've gotten some pretty subpar starting pitching outside of Hunjin Ryu and Steven Matz. Um, until this past series when Robbie Ray came back. Um, and, and there's not too many people hitting consistently outside of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Now, I know we'll talk about this later. Hopefully a few contributors today uh, will start getting it going. But the fact that they've had to use guys like Josh Palacios quite consistently, uh, having to play Rowdy Telez, who hasn't gotten anything going, Danny Jansen has done nothing behind the plate, and neither has Alejandro Kirk until mm-hmm. today. I honestly think it was a low-key, nightmarish start when you consider Springer hasn't made his debut and there's still no timeline for when he's going to be back. All the injuries to the rotation, some chinks in the armor to the bullpen. Um, to be 6-6, six and six, I'm quite happy, to be quite honest. And just more focusing on the last two series. I don't know about you guys, but after when our Sunday's game was rained out, because we knew who was starting that day. I'm so happy Sunday's game didn't happen. I think it was a nice chance for this team to reset, but also kind of kickstarted a topic that we're going to be talking about in a bit. And I think it helped us. That might have been the biggest no win in the Blue Jays season. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think it was was awesome. I know they lost the series two out of three, uh, but yeah, it kind of felt low-key like a split, even though they didn't play on Sunday. So to be six and six, I'm quite okay with it, considering... The, the inconsistencies across the board and injuries. How about you, Craig? How many ducks are we going to leave on the pond? That's yeah. my biggest concern. And um, I think regardless of the fact that we pulled out a W today, I think that when I was listening to the radio feed at eight in the eighth inning, they were saying we left 10 runners in scoring position and were over 10 or something like that with them. Yep. It was just yeah. slightly disconcerting. Uh, yes, we had some timely hitting regardless of that, but it was, you know, this typical old Blue Jays mood, you know, sell out for everything, right? Get a home run or lose the ball game. I I thought we had a team that had more offensive pop in many ways to beat people than to just rely on the home run. And I think if you looked at the Blue Jays wins, I I would say that probably 90% or all of them were games that we had a home run in, at least one and maybe two. So 
it's a little concerning to me that I, I but I think a lot of that is the fact that the Blue Jays have still not had their everyday lineup for what we have conceived going into the season any at all so no George Springer Roddy Telez hasn't really shown up completely at all <laughs> and there and a bunch of other things that are going on with this lineup right now as uh Brendan had mentioned with some of those characters but more to come I think but right now though that's where I'm seeing the big thing and honestly I think the pitching staff is exactly the way I ex- imagined it as much as I don't want to say it just enough to hopefully keep the offense in the game so that they can bludgeon people to death and outside of Mats and Ryu it's basically what we've been getting over the last week yeah yeah I mean you know g- given the fact that we're it's still early and I don't want to sound Wilnerish about it um but there are adjustments that we made, and I'm sort of glad that we're seeing these this early. Um, you never want to see anybody go down with injury. You never want to see anybody uh, get sick. You never want to see anybody miss a significant amount of time. But given the fact that there's still a 500 ball club, and again, just 12 games, but given the fact that there's still a 500 ball club at this moment, given the injury concerns that we've been you know, sort of dealing with, that being uh, Merriweather, has he been put on the IL yet? or? Yeah. Okay, and I, yeah. Castro came up, right? All right. That was um, a weird one, though. I thought Castro came up because of the whole COVID protocol thing with uh, Teoscar. Yeah, there I don't know. There was some weird I, situation that they were talking about during the broadcast ooh. today that in the midst of this, it was like they were getting a free tryout for him because they didn't have to put yes. Castro onto the 40-man roster. So in the midst of that, they're basically getting a guy that throws a bajillion miles an hour just for yep. a free audition who looked didn't really get the biggest audition in the spring but because he didn't get to face any of the big guys. Yep, right, and, and he looks pretty good. I don't know about you guys, but um, I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit, little bit later. But I know when I sent you the text about Julia Merriweather, they said a hip injury. Now they're calling it oblique. Uh, that's a little worrying for a pitcher. So yeah. that's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, he's that's um. Yeah, we'll get yeah. to that. But still, given the fact that they've had these setbacks and they're still a 500 ball club. And I don't know about you guys. I'm not buying this Red Sox bullshit. I don't, I don't think they're for real at all. You know, <laughs> How granted, much can had... J.D. Martinez carry one team? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and, you know, give them credit. They've been beating on the Rays, sure. And, the um, and they in the, Well, they lost to the Orioles in the beginning <laughs> oh, of the season, they? but right. now they sort of corrected the, themselves. I don't see that to be sustainable. I don't think they have the firepower to make that sustainable. So I do see the Blue Jays sort of catching ground there. Uh, but my biggest concern walking into this season was the Yankees, right? And we've proven that we can handle the Yankees. Maybe not Garrett Cole, but we've proven that we can handle the Yankees or at least be a formidable opponent for them. So when you when you balance it all out and consider the fact that we don't have a fully healthy squad and the best player on the team has yet to even play for us but has taken batting practice and has looked pretty good, um, being a 6-6 six and six at this point, I'm okay with it. And, Brendan, I couldn't agree with you more about the rainout uh, it was a gift from God. God did not want Tanner Roark to start that game. It, it was plain and simple. Um, now just go over here. Just yeah, come on. yeah, just yeah. Come yeah. Go, go over here. <laughs> go away. Um, and it, it it did offer quite a bit of a reset, even though the game before the Blue Jays had significant uh, run production. Uh, what was it fifteen to two? Yeah, yeah. He worked bludgeoning they, like I was. Yeah, and they didn't even time. they didn't even hit a home run. Exactly. That was the one that was the difference. Hit a homer. And uh, you want to see that kind of run production. So given the the hiccups and stuff, I think this team is in a good spot. And they definitely are, you know, the chemistry is there. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing. But How much fun was watching Rowdy Telez hit that home run yesterday and then nobody – Oh, great. Just him 
That's perfect. Speaking of team chemistry. Yeah, I I agree. They they knew not to uh, to make a big deal out of it, and obviously he took advantage of the moment. But look, let's uh, we already brought him up. Let's talk about Tanner Roark. Now again. I don't know a single Blue Jays fan that's unhappy about the demotion of Tanner Roark to a long relief role, save for maybe Mike Wilner. Um, but it was announced that he'd be transitioned Twice to that role show, effectively. Adam. Yes, that's it. I promise no more Wilner references. Um, he's been effectively eliminated from the starting rotation in favor of a returning Robbie Ray so far. Um, we sort of saw this coming last week. We talked about it. Uh, the Jays were legitimate in their attempts to give him one more shot. But given the fact that Robbie Ray was coming back, obviously they needed to make room. He was the easy guy out. Now, given that Ray solid in his return and how has looked, Ryu has been outstanding. Brennan, is this the end of Roark as a starter, even if an injury happens? Do you think the team has learned their lesson? Or do you think like a cockroach, he's just going to come right back? and Or like a horror movie, he's going to stick the hand out of the grave? And, uh, <laughs> it's going to be like one of those where they literally chop the guy's pinky off and yes. his arm. And it. <laughs> <laughs> and then not uh, then he keeps coming back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would say yes, Adam, but there still is some uncertainty who's gonna start tomorrow's game because the Mats have an extra day's rest and not start him on normal rest. I mean, we saw what good that did for Hunjin Ryu. We knew coming in to last year he loved pitching with an extra day's rest, and that was evident uh yesterday with how yes. much he handled that Yankees line. But the fact that they didn't fully commit to Roark starting tomorrow and are very much keeping the door open to be like, okay, Steven Matz, just go on your regular turn um, makes me think that they will keep him in the bullpen. No, watch. We're going to end this recording in about an hour later. They're going to announce, yep, Tanner Roark, you're starting tomorrow yeah. uh, just because we need you to. But what the Roark? It, like, this is his last possible shot here. Like, this is the Blue Jays saying, hey, we know we have you to a $12 million deal. We're not prepared to eat the money quite yet. And we also want to keep, I, I don't, well, they're just saying this to his face probably or whatever. Is like, yeah, we want, still want to keep you on the roster. You still have a part of this team. Long relief. The only time I want to see him is if they're down six, seven plus runs. And the only time I want to see him with a lead is when they're up six, seven, eight runs. And to that point, he didn't even show that he could do that in that Texas start, even if it's covering three or four innings or last year. He didn't show it at all. So he's so not suited telling, for the bullpen, but this is it. This really is it. So you're telling me you want him eating the Ellis Luciano innings from like 2016? <laughs> no, 2018. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you think, Craig? I, I saw enough out of Zoik. in the little footage I did see today. Yes, he gave up four earned runs, but really the bad pitches he threw – Two bad ones were to Aaron Judge. Yeah. So if that's what I'm going to get from Zoig, I would rather see what his ceiling is because I think it's obviously a lot higher than what Tanner Roark's would be in a starting rotation. I'm honestly kind of upset that they didn't give, uh, that they gave innings to to Thornton today because I would have loved to see him just go out and do three innings or at the work. He's already been, every one of his starts, has he been two innings? are pretty damn close yes. to him when he's come out of the bullpen so far. So I think he's shot to actually try stretching out for a couple innings. Our worst case scenario, he's a longer opener guy, right? So I would rather in that situation at least have somebody like Thornton eating up those meat, meat um, hitters in the beginning of the lineup to start the mm-hmm. game off. And then if I had to, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable maybe throwing an inning Roark's way in the middle of the game or something like that. But right now... I, He's just there to me, and I really am wondering how much the 
that Castro kid looked good. Yeah. I wonder how much something like that is going to end up driving this or if injuries are going to keep Roark around just longer. But I think there's too many young, talented arms in this system and random guys like Castro that's come out of nowhere that have incredible stuff. And he was actually locating his pitches, which is apparently what his problem has been and why he's bounced around from team to team. Maybe that's the other fun thing that we get to do. <laughs> you know, maybe that's the difference between Jordan Romano that was, you know, picked up on the Rule 5 draft by the Rangers or with the Jordan Romano we got back. <laughs> you know, it could be that yeah. same thing with Castro. And you never know. But right now I'd rather take that flyer on anybody than having to worry about giving more innings to Tanner Roark. And that's just because that last start didn't fill me with any confidence that he can even do anything proper anymore. And I'd rather have somebody else eating him up or eating those innings and let whoever take a flyer on Tanner Roark off the waiver wire. Totally. Yeah, I just, for me, when you have options like Anthony Kay waiting in the, in the wings, <laughs> this obviously just comes down to the contract. And I don't know that that's a justifiable reason to force someone out there when you know that he's been just pitching like hot garbage. Um, right now, the Blue Jays are not in a position where they can be cute, right? And you can't be in a position where you can sort of test the waters. And I know last week we you know, all came to the agreement, or I think we did, that they're probably going to give him one more shot. I get it. It's admirable, and that is it's a $12 million contract. So it is sort of a lot, but that's shame on you. You sort of just live and learn. Right? The Blue Jays are not uh, absolved from handing out bad contracts. Right? It's happened. Look at the Kendris Morales contract. Look at the Randall Graychuk contract, even though he's producing right now. I still mm. don't know that that contract full and through and through. Um, look at the Vernon Wells contract, even though it's not nearly as much of an albatross, that being uh, Tanner Roark's contract in comparison to Vernon Wells's. But it's just one of those things that you sort of just take your licks and you just you live with it. That's it. And you just see what you have in the system. Now, remember, they traded for Anthony Kay. Right? Mm -hmm. He was someone that they wanted and they got him. And so utilize him. Right. They see him as a starter, don't they? And I, I just for me, there's no justifiable reason to move off of uh, or to not give Anthony Kay the start in favor of Tanner Roark. It doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't at all. You know what? Just looking back last year, Anthony K was used a lot out of the bullpen early. And then for whatever reason, I don't know if it was strictly barn space, but for whatever reason, he just got phased out and phased out and phased out to the point where he was A, left off the playoff roster, I'm pretty sure. Um, but B, barely pitched towards the end of the season. Like his appearances got very, very sporadic. So I don't know like what their plan with his, him moving forward. He showed me enough back in 2019 when he made those, I think, four starts um, to be like, yeah, this kid has something. He showed enough out of the bullpen last year when he pitched and maybe before a few rough outings that made me say, yeah, there's something there. Even if you're a four or a five as a lefty that can get outs and do pretty well, surely you're going to be better than Tanner Roark at this point. So, yeah, I, I, I'll actually be kind of upset if, if Anthony Kay does not start tomorrow. Um, I'd be fine if if they go with Steven Matz on regular rest. But again, he's kind of like in the same ballpark as Hunjin Ryu, where you want to be careful with him because Matz has had an injury history, as has Ryu. And if you can give guys a blow every so often and give them an extra day's rest, that's only going to help them long term. Look, there's so many more innings and so many more games to cover this year compared to the city last year. Um, it's crazy to say, going back to your comment early, Adam, about how early it is and that you're happy at six and six. Three games. If this was last year, they'd be three games away from being twenty-five percent done the season. And six and six, I'm not so sure. I'm happy at that Ouch point. Town. Now we're like 
ten percent done. Like not even like being twelve. There's games still in, time. Too much time. <laughs> so it, it's it's one hundred percent early. Uh, but anyway, so just wanted to remark on that because it, it's so true the the difference in mindset. But going back to covering innings, um, yeah, I don't see any reason why Anthony K shouldn't get the start tomorrow. So on that note, Brendan, all I could say about that whole summary of what you just said there is it went dumb and dumber moment for me for for a second. And so, you know, so you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it. So I got I to gotta inject this because I just summarized this, comp- this uh, perfectly. One of our uh, listeners, Peck, on Twitter actually <laughs> said that Tanner Roark's last actual quality start was September 4th, 2019. Wow. <laughs> and okay. Then the fact that he mentioned that him serving up BP fastballs is not helping anybody. <laughs> yeah. 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 So if that's a true fact that, and I'm assuming it is right now, hundred percent, that sounds a hundred percent accurate that, that his last call start was literally that long ago. So he would have been wearing, that means he hasn't thrown a quality start as a blue Jay and, I don't remember him throwing one that well. <laughs> so even, you know, the diesel engine never got into six innings last year, right? No, I don't think that's the six. Well that's... off tracks by that. I know his, his first start last year against Washington, he went five innings, and I think he only gave up a run or two. And that was like, okay, if you do that for the rest of the season, I'm totally fine with that. Uh, but no, he we didn't saw that come go derail real quick, that, right? Very much derailed. <laughs> I got one yeah. other comment if you have your done him. No, no, go ahead, man. Go. Um, from our Twitter fund here, well, because we started this conversation off with our concerns were for mm-hmm. the Blue Jays thus far. Um, one of our loyal listeners, Nick, here on Twitter, mentioned that his only concern is watching Vladdy do splits at first base. And <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> so I had to interject that one because it was just too no, funny. No, no, it's cool. That's, it, that's totally fair. I replied know, back to him that we would have to ask his yoga instructor, Rowdy Teles, to see how he's really doing in his yeah. stretches. <laughs> only around this part of the infield that he draws a line. Um, look, you know. Given the fact that in the beginning of the season, I was like, I just want to see uh, Vladdy leg out uh, a stand-up double. He's done that numerous times. I think this is a brand new Vladdy Guerrero at this point. And uh, yeah, I, vicious I, I, man. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is. He is a very nimble character. But I want to. I want to hold off on the Vladdy talk because I'm sure we're going to. Uh, Stroke his ego a little bit. I want to. Uh, I want to uh, sort of transition to three players in particular that I am concerned with. One of which, maybe he's sort of breaking out of it, but still, there is some underlying concerns. And the three players in particular are Danny Jansen, Rowdy Telez, and yes, breaks my heart to say it, King Cavan. Uh, <laughs> Rowdy has seemingly started to break out a bit, as I mentioned. Uh, he hit a home run. Craig, you you mentioned it and. Uh, to the uh, praise of no one in the in the dugout, but um, he's been hitting the ball. He hit today a little bit. He's been making contact. It seems like his confidence is is boosting a little bit. But these past few games, notwithstanding, it's become increasingly clear that we need more from these three. I think personally, Jansen's the biggest one that we should be concerned with. Of course, I'm not going to be concerned with Kevin. I think he's fine. But uh, matter Craig, of time. <laughs> yes. Of, of these three, Craig, which can, which of the three concerns you the most, and what can be done to mitigate these issues, other than perhaps playing them more? And I know that's difficult with Rowdy because of first base with Vlad, and he's been so good. But how do you mitigate these issues specifically with someone like Danny Jansen, Rowdy Tellez, and Kevin Vigia? 
I think Rowdy Telez has got a good week here where he can show that he's actually the, a big, valuable part of this offense, right? There's just enough going on in the outfield where you're going to see Lourdes, Grichik, and then either Davis or Palacios playing the other one, right? That's pretty much leaving a good vacancy in our DH spot, so you're probably going to see either a rotation of starters going through that spot for a day off, half day kind of thing, or you're going to see Vladdy and Rowdy Telez literally trading off days, which is what you've seen the last two days, right? And I think the biggest thing for Rowdy right now is building up that confidence. He was completely kind of going out of his game, I think, the first, you know, two weeks of the season here. You could see it. He was pressing to the point where he was just trying to force something to happen rather than what we've seen from him, um, letting the ball come to him and just attacking it in the zone. If Rowdy Telez patient at the plate, more of what we saw today is going to happen. And I think what he's been doing up to this point in the season has been just too much where he's just swinging at pitches that he would normally not swing at. And that's what the difference is between what we saw is Captain Clutch, Rowdy Telez, coming in and doing walk-off home runs versus what we've seen him literally getting his basically his first hit of the season <laughs> or his second one, one or the other today. And I think he's starting to show signs that he's just – he's like, I'm done with this and he's just – you. Today, in the, the replay of, I've watched after listening to the radio feed of watching him at the plate during his appearances, it just seemed like he was more centered, more focused, and just letting it come to him. And then the home run happened. So I think there's something coming from him. Kevin Biggio, same thing. There's something just off in his timing. And I think it's going to have click. I'm not worried about Kevin Biggio one bit because his defense, one way or the other, has been solid at third base. And I know eventually he's going to hit. The biggest problem is he's hitting right now when not everybody else is hitting. <laughs> right. Everybody's sticking out. And I'm still very concerned over Danny Jansen. I think he's unfortunately the one that's uh, probably going to be the oddball out of this conversation if things continue. Um, just because there is somebody that one way or the other is going to put barrel to the baseball in Alejandro Kirk. And I don't know if you guys saw the home run or saw the highlight of it. He freaking oh, to that thing. Did yeah. yeah, he did. <laughs> so, um, and I think right now Kirk's biggest problem is I think he was 0 for 13, 0 for 12 or something like that. That's just not enough at bats for him to really get going, I think. we saw, That was – he was batting like 500 last year in those at bats, I know. But people forget that, you know, he's still a rookie. <laughs> and he's going to do those. And um, knowing Alejandro Kirk is – He's if it, I was going to compare him to any hitter that we as far as just complete like flat out lab and you know his game is closer to Tony Gwynn than watching somebody like Randall Grichik you know he's going to one way or the other put the ball in play versus striking out is what I was trying to balance out in that equation there and I think that one approach is going to be a lot different than what the hell Danny Jansen does just because unfortunately Danny Jansen is a um, a different swinger at that point. <laughs> and I think he just will swing a little bit more at everything, which will lead to more strikeouts. It's tough to rank them because you can take it a few different ways. Um, I'm the least surprised at Danny Jansen's struggles because this is just what we've seen in the last two years. And it really, really sucks. We've all been big defenders of him. And even for, even for me, fuck, I bought his jersey going into 2019. I have a huge believer in him. And I love the guy. I think he's awesome. Um, good guy too, but it, it's starting to wane on me a little bit that I, I can't keep on defending you anymore. Like this, just unacceptable, especially for a team that wants to compete and and go far in the playoffs, or at least maybe contend and try to win the AL East. And 
early returns against the Yankees, who are their biggest uh, competitors for the AL East title, so far so good. They're going to be able to play the Yankees tough uh, for the rest of the year. They should, just like they have the last few years. So from a surprise standpoint, I would say Jansen is the least, but I am also the most concerned about it because I'm not liking the prospects of his long-term future with this team anymore. Um and I was willing this year pass, but this is just continuing. Uh, and this would be three seasons in a row of nothing offensively. Um, Telez, I'm going to give a pass for a start to the season. He started very, very slow last year, too. And he was starting to get on my nerves, but he picked it up as the season went along and in became a way, probably quickly. a huge way. And he became one of their, probably their second or third best hitter on the team, right behind Teoscar Hernandez before he injured himself. If the Blue Jays had a fully healthy rowdy, in that series against Tampa, the quick two-game series that got swept, they may have had a little bit more of a fighting chance because Rowdy just lengthened that lineup so much more with how well he was last year. So uh, I'm not surprised uh, at Rowdy's struggles either because it's the same as last year. So at the same time, I'm not that concerned with Rowdy. I think today uh, I didn't get to see any of the game, to be fully honest. Uh, But looking at the box score, he got two hits, hit his first home run last night. Um, So... Things are looking better for Rowdy Telez. Hopefully, they're going to need him moving forward. I will admit, I am pretty about Kevin Biggio, but that's because I expect the most out of him, of the three guys. Uh, He's supposed to be a cornerstone of this team moving forward, and if he doesn't end up being that, then he's going to be relegated to um, a a rover around the field where he'll play here, there, play everywhere. Um, So... From the perspective that I expect the most from Kevin Bijou, I'm definitely the most disappointed uh, and also the most surprised. But at the same time, go back and look at his splits from last year. He started off 2020 really well. He batted almost 270, six home runs, and he didn't strike out very much. As the season went along, people figured him out. His batting average dipped by almost 40 points. Only hit two home runs in the back half of the season, and his strikeouts ticked up like crazy. And you're starting to see that again, the strikeouts tick up. Whether that's the league finally figuring out that he can't really hit a high fastball, and he does not stop himself from chasing a high fastball. Maybe they've started to figure him out. Um, at the same time, Craig, you're very right. His defense has been really good. I've been impressed with him over at third. I don't think he's a liability, uh, but he's going to have to turn it around at the plate decently soon before some people, uh, I'm not going to say me, I'm not going to say any of us because I think we're willing to be more patient with him, but some people are going to be start being like, okay, um, when can we start talking about Jordan Groshans? Uh, or somebody else at this. Uh, so, Kevin, from the perspective of I expect the most out of you, he's the one I'm most concerned about moving forward. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the strikeout rates. This this whole team is striking out a ton. Yeah, they um, are. Way more and, than we'd expect. Yeah, and they're not walking at all. Um, the, I, I, I'm looking at <clears throat> the stats right now. The, the person with the highest walk rate, it's only Vlad. at 17, just, yeah, Vladdy, which just slightly over 17%. I was about to be having a heart because I've sadly seen enough walks from Randall Grichuk to think that he might have been the guy you were about to say. Yeah, no, Randall Grichuk, <laughs> <is only laughs> around, yeah, 10.5%. Uh, whereas the strikeout rates for both Danny Jansen and Kevin Vigio are around 32%. Oof. So they are striking out a ton. Yeah, and look, I, I think that Danny Jansen... I was not overly impressed with him to begin with. I know his last minor league uh, season when he was with the Bisons, he was tearing the, tearing it up. He was outstanding. But, you know, it doesn't translate into the big leagues. And, you know, y- you've had time to acclimate yourself as a big yeah. league catcher. And I don't know that having Alejandro Kirk is 
doing him much favors in between the ears. Um, that's not to say that Kirk shouldn't be on this team. He most should. Um, he he's on here though for his hitting. He's not necessarily on here to be a, a catcher first player for this team. Um, Danny Jansen is the catcher first player, and although his defense has been pretty good, um, if you're not hitting, you're not winning, right? Yeah. It, and we talk about how much this whole lineup has the ability to mash, but you have to contribute in that, right? And the strikeouts are killing us. These strikeouts are killing us. And it's it's not so much like Cavan. Cavan's just swinging and missing, as you mentioned, Brendan, especially the high heat. Jansen's looking at pitches. There's yeah. something going on with him uh, in between the ears. And I, I don't know if it's the pressure of Alejandro Kirk being on the team, Um but it's got to be addressed. I'm not sure that he's part of the fabric of this team's future. Um, we've talked about Rowdy. I couldn't agree more. I do like what I'm seeing f- from him right now, although I'm not sure that we're going to see that same breakout potential from him. Maybe, and I know this is a topic later on, maybe if and when, rather when, they go back to Buffalo, he'll be able to replicate that same <laughs> success. But right now, I'm just not seeing it. And give him credit where it's due. He's been a very good teacher for Vladimir Guerrero at first base. He's been sacrificing. He's a team first player. I admire that. I admire that. And he's not getting the opportunities that he otherwise would if Vlad was still at third. So I, I admire the fact that he's not really playing much and he's trying to make the best out of situations. And again, it's kind of hard to hit your way out of a rut if you're not playing. So I, I'm not concerned with him, but again, I kind of wish we sold high. Um, when it comes <laughs> to Kevin, yeah. uh, I am not concerned in terms of his production uh, moving forward, but the one thing I've noticed from Kevin Biggio is he's got to knock it off with this launch angle bullshit uppercut swing. It is not a level swing. Every time he's trying to swing, and if you're watching the feed, you'll see what I'm saying, it's always like a golf swing up. It's not a fluid motion. It's not a straight swing. He's trying to get that launch angle. Kevin Biggio is not He will never be a power hitter. Get that out of your mechanics. Get that out of your style. You are not a power hitter. I think his launch angle is somewhere between at like 19 degrees. It is crazy. Um, And we found out that Marcus Simeon can have the biggest launch angle ever, and it can go 99 miles an hour, and it'll just... (laughs) Yep, same thing. I think his is around 20%. I think of those two, I think Simeon obviously has the the highest launch angle, and I think uh, Cavan's shortly behind him. But the thing is... When Simeon hits, it is making contact and it is skying and right. he does have the potential for power. Kevin does not have that potential. Now, I'm not saying he can't hit home runs. Obviously, he did against L.A. in the opening series. Great, but that's not enough to make me think, look, you're a power hitter. The more he does, the lower in the lineup he's going to get. And Kevin Biggio is the type of guy outside of George Springer that should be in the one or the two hole. But he's not because he, he should be a guy that just focuses on getting on base. I think like Rowdy, I mean, sorry, Jansen, the problem with Kevin Biggio is in between the ears. You're learning a new position at third, which he's been good. Like the, He's got zip to the ball at third. He's The position, although it sometimes eludes him when it comes to bad bounces and bad breaks, I'm going to give him a pass there because that's not his normal everyday position. But he's been serviceable. And I do think the third baseman of the future is Groshans, and I think everybody else knows that too within the organization. But when it comes to that lack of production, or rather that not elite production that he's used to in the field when he played at second base, it bleeds over to the at play on the um, at bat position where he's not really focusing on just making contact. And that's the thing. He's not trying to make just contact. He's trying to mash the ball. You are not a power hitter. So 
if these mechanics can get sort of cert- sorted out, and I think Kevin Biggio has the potential for that to happen quickly, I'm not concerned. But it starts with the swing. I don't know if you guys noticed the same thing, but it is just a it's pretty violent in all of the swing. It's a golf swing, Craig. Yeah, yeah you nailed it. <laughs> it's very much like Colby Rasmus' swing. His was a golf swing too. And yeah. there was a lot it, of swing and miss with Colby Rasmus. It creates too many holes. And for somebody like Kevin Biggio, who was, um, we, we, we've watched it as Blue Jays fans, and uh, he is a very good hard ball hitter. And he needs to get back to thinking line drive first. And then I think yes. everything else will fall Looks into like place. And I, if you hit the ball hard and you square it up, it doesn't matter how, what your damn launch angle is. Eventually, you'll hit a few home runs. Kevin Biggio has always struck me as a guy that's going to run into 15 home runs in a season and then hopefully bat around 270. And yeah. I don't see that as a problem. He's going to hit plenty of doubles, and especially if we ever get to freaking go back home and play in the Rogers Center, when he hits that turf, man, he can run all damn day. It's just how it is. And when he gets to that point, I think it's going to be clicking just right. But right now he needs to seriously t- take some uh, good BP time and figure out what has, the heck is going on with his swing because it has gotten more exaggerated even through the spring, I think, regardless into where we are now. Yeah, he's been making some non-Cavin-like plays specifically today. I don't know if you guys heard it or caught it. Uh, Brennan, I know you said you didn't watch it, but uh, Craig, did you see him round third on that and get caught up in that rundown here about this? No, I didn't see it. I heard it very briefly, and it just sounded way too confusing without seeing the video through the radio feed. I was like, yep, okay, I'll find that later. (laughs) And then they showed on the highlights. So he hit what should have been a double. There was a, a, a bobble, and he ran to third, and he had it, but he turned the bag, right? And the uh-huh. what they did was they threw it home to keep him from go- – and he just turned the bag at third, and he got caught in a rundown. And this was on a two-hour play. Oh. And I, I'm thinking, dude, you cannot – you just take that – bag at third pulled up because you're not hitting an inside the park home run <laughs> why he t- i don't know if it was his Nobody momentum does. or not but that is to me from what little i've seen about him and this is why i admire him so much his baseball iq is so high and seeing boneheaded plays like that that's a rookie mistake and yes he's, he's still considered young within the game and this is a learning experience but that is not a cavin biggio type of play for me he he's smart to know to hold up and I don't know if he just ignored the the third base coach or whatever, but to me, it's just things like that that bleed over to the next at bat for yeah. him. And it, I, I, there's obviously no evidence for this; you can't measure it. But he's just got to get out of his own way and just hit for, for contact. That's it. Just Ooh. put the ball in play. That's it. Wusa. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm fired <laughs> up because he's you know my man crush Monday, so I, I think he's gonna be fine. No turns. Um, all right, so let's move on to some uh, three players that we are happy about, that we don't have many concerns with. Um, the three players I like to focus on in particular, and Brendan, you sort of brought them up already, Vladdy, Bo, and of course, Hunjin Ryu. Um, Vladdy, he's been looking like a totally different player. Um, at the plate, defensively at first, in the dugout, he is having so much fun, looking so much more comfortable playing the position at first, which is relatively new for him. Um, his defense has been pretty terrific, but the fact that he's 
stretching out for plays. There was that line drive uh, against the the Angels, I believe, where he just nabbed it in yeah. right in the it, it, the line drive over his last head. year. Vladdy that easily was yes. ten feet over his head. Not oh, yes, <laughs> he, wouldn't jump. he wouldn't even jump for it. Mm. Um, he's been great, and he's been making you know adjustments at the plate. He's been, I think, he's on a twelve game. I think he's hitting every game, uh, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Right. So he's. And he's not hitting for power. That's, uh, again, he's the leader of the team in Springer's absence. Again, the pitch-by-pitch pitch adjustments that he's been phenomenal. Defense at short could be a little bit better. Um, I don't believe that he's necessarily the shortstop of the future for this. We'll get into that if you want. But I think it will improve <laughs> over time. Lastly, Ryu has been looking like a bonafide ace. And you know we've talked about him already a little bit. But, man, how, he just was magnificent yesterday again. Um, Brendan, of these players, which has stood out to you the most in terms of their performance, and which of these do you think has the best chance of sustaining the success, at least uh, you know, relatively, throughout the entire season? All three. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you read about it. <laughs> no, no, look, we said last week uh, on the show that I, I really think that we just got a very, very brief taste of what Hunjin Ryu really is. And this, like yesterday... That's what he did with the Dodgers. Kept his pitch count low. I know later on in the sixth inning, they really got to him and worked his pitch count a little bit and uh, started hitting some balls hard. But my goodness, I'm pretty sure going into the sixth inning, uh, or sorry, going into the seventh inning, because he pitched six and two-thirds, I think he was only at like just above 70 pitches, maybe 75 pitches. It's a fantastic pitch count to be in. At that point, if he was in line with the way the first six innings went, I was like, man, he has a chance to go complete game here. Um, And other people were saying the same thing on Twitter. So... This is bonafide ace stuff. He's shut. I know he hasn't actually shut them out, but by Yankee standards, he shut the Yankees down and shut them out. Uh, the two of the three starts he's made, and he should have won. Actually, he probably should. Be, I know record doesn't mean anything, but he probably should be three and zero. To be honest with you, if the team has given him a little bit more run support, he definitely would be. Uh, he was fantastic. Um, it, the game against Texas. Uh, where he went seven innings. I know they lost, what, that was 2-1. They couldn't yeah. get him one more run to at least tie it uh, and get him off the hook for that loss. Um, but he loaded, loaded, got himself in trouble, loaded the bases in the seventh inning, got out of it without getting, giving up a run. Um, no, he's been phenomenal. Um, I can't say enough good things about him, and he's such a tr- he's such a pleasure to watch pitch. I can't. I still, it's still hard to believe that he's a Blue Jay, considering how hard it is to get people here uh, and sign the top tier starting pitcher on the free agent market, or at least one of them. Um, just justifies all the amazing feelings we had when we found out that he signed back in December 2019. So, for me, Ryu's definitely stood out. Um, Vlad, for sure. I mean, I think that's the unanimous answer award for every Blue Jays fan you ask because this is, yeah, this is what he was doing in the minor leagues. Now, one thing you mentioned, Adam, which is very fair to point out, it hasn't been necessarily for power, but that's okay. I'd rather yeah. see him get on base. I'm pretty sure he's still over five on base percentage. So he's been on base over half the time. He's walking. He's making hard contact on even his singles. Like it's only him and Giancarlo Stanton, I believe, that ha- uh, that consistently average like over 110 miles per hour on so many batted balls. It's crazy. Um, the power will come for sure. Uh, it's just a matter of lengthening the lineup, getting other guys hitting because. If the lineup's firing on all cylinders, who the hell do you pitch to after Vlad? Like, let's just say the new lineup has Vlad batting third. Tioscar comes back and maybe heats up himself. Luring, um in the fifth spot or the sixth spot. Springer is in the leadoff spot. When, I don't know where Simeon will bat. I'm assuming second when Springer's back. There's a lot of power in that lineup. And you st- start to be like, okay, Vlad is not the only one who can beat us now. So mm-hmm. the power will come. And honestly, 
this is what I expect from Boba Shett. The first few games, he started off slow at the plate, and it was starting to drive me a little crazy with some of the bobbles that he had at shortstop. But now that he's hitting again uh, and contributing with power, that's just secondary for me. Contribute at the plate, do what you do, and they are truly showing why those two are the legit bonafide core that will be superstars that are hopefully in Toronto for years. Yeah, Boba Shett, this is about the best thing I can say for him, period, right now. 87 games in his major league career thus far, right? He yeah. has 52 extra base hits. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's fucking nuts. nuts. <laughs> yeah. It's about the best way of saying it. And then that was, he broke 50 before the game even started today, too, basically. You know, so it's great. <laughs> you know, no big deal. And then now just throw a walk off in against the Yankees. Second time in his career. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. The, the young core is in full establishment now with Vladdy and Bo running. And I think the biggest difference between Bo this year, I think he he just knows it's his team. It, I think it's literally that, where it's like, okay, yeah, I'm sure I'm the guy. But now it's just, boom, done, right? And now the fact that he's got Vladdy right there back backing him up, it makes it that much better. The biggest thing from Vlad this season Vlad is back to having fun playing the game of baseball. Yes. And yes. that is the biggest thing that I saw from him watching him in his minor league career. He he just looked like a kid playing against, you know, an adult playing against children in the minor league. There was no ever any kind of complications for him. He just kept chugging through everything. And the fact that he has that kind of feeling back again right now, you can see it. Just even him goofing around, you know, chilling with bow on the bench you know hey i'm having a good time awesome. <laughs> um or just the little little things like the shenanigans and whatnot or just pouring the water on bow during the walk-off and stuff he wasn't doing those kind of things the last two seasons and you know i just think those are the differences in the world for him if he is having fun in the dugout and around this team it's because he is walking the walk and we have seen nothing but what i coined way back when when he was in the meyer leagues is vladdy vicious because it's kind of ironic and funny because he's a goofball. (laughs) So Vladdy Vicious is like, you know, just don't worry about it. (laughs) Have fun. But I think the same thing I said about Kevin Biggio, those home runs are going to get more and more ridiculous as he continues just to barrel up the baseball and keep continuing to drive the ball up the middle. I think he got got a little last season. Yes. And in the midst of that, it really – skewed his game in one direction and when you're only looking to pull the ball i'm sorry to say we're not in the days of jose canseco where you can just rope the ball around the left field a billion you know miles <laughs> but laddie is set and i love what he's been doing with his game and this is eerily similar to what i got to see with you adam back in the day when we were seeing him in the new hampshire fisher cats uniforms and the buffalo bison uniforms it's just very similar as the game goes at those times when he was doing really good in that same thing up the middle up the middle up the middle and then ryu how can you be upset with that right. <laughs> cy young right now oh, he's one of totally. the best pitchers in baseball mm-hmm. i think i was i was watching mlb tv this morning and um they had stated there's only one other pitcher that has a lower ERA over the last like three or four seasons, and it was Max Scherzer. Oh wow! Yeah, it was insane to see that he was on a list with Verlander and everything. Just right there, number two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ERA. That's crazy considering how different pitchers they are. Where Scherzer comes at you with heat and whatnot, and reuse all about pinpoint control and mixing his pitches. It's, it's impressive just to see the contrast and styles between other pitchers who are just as good because Ryu's honestly pitchers like him 
as velocity becomes more important, pitchers like Hunjin Ryu are going to slowly be faded out of the game. And that's that's a shame. I think Buck Martinez made said one of the smartest things I think I've ever heard him say. Pitching is about throwing off the timing of the opposition, not about just blowing it right by him, just mixing, mixing your speeds, varying your pitches, all that kind of stuff. And it's true. It, it really is. Disrupt the hitter at the plate, and that's what Ryu does. Yeah. I um, I always make the comparison of somebody like Ryu or Scherzer to the – there's a reason Greg Maddox was that good in the era of Randy Johnson. Right. Just saying. Greg Maddox was the shit. And in all reality, he engine Ryu's in that same thing. He's a little smarter than the guy at the plate, and he knows what to do to get him off his game and do pretty much the exact opposite of whatever the hell the guys are thinking coming. (laughs) And, oh, you're thinking fastball? Oh, here, let me drop this 69-mile-an-hour hook on you. (laughs) He did that the other night. It was nuts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, all three of them have been phenomenal. And I think you guys, you know, hit on a good point about Vlad, about just trying to have fun with the game again. And I think he walked into the situation whether or not you think it's deserved or, or whatever, I think the talent speaks for himself. You know, there's a lot of pressure, right? This is a guy that was, I think, Anthopolis took him when he was 16 years old, right? And he was groomed to be in this position. He was groomed to be the face of this franchise. Um, and he comes in with an MLB Network special for his debut as a giant press conference. Brent and, and I were there. <laughs> yeah. You know, multiple press conferences, multiple... Uh, appearances, media appearances, it gets to your head. I think the thing that people like to overlook, and maybe it's, you know, it's inadvertent, but the thing that people overlook the most when it comes to Vladdy, I think what fucked him up was the home run derby, right? Essentially. It it does have the the tendency to throw off your swing, and, you know, he's going toe-to-toe, and he's, he's making it down to the final two, and he's just trying to rope things, and that can go over into your performance. Right. And when you have that much pressure on you to be the face of the franchise and, you know, to follow in the footsteps of an Edward Encarnacion or a Jose Bautista and be this power hitter, maybe you're not, you know, trying to do that, but it's still sort of the expectation from fans, especially those that have bled over from 2015 and 16. Um, that's a lot of pressure. And there's a lot of thought process that happens while you're at the plate and it throws up, throws off your rhythm. Now, unlike Kevin, He's not looking to mash. He's just looking to simply make contact. I mean, the velocity, the exit velocity on pitches is still there. He's hitting the ball really fucking hard. Oh, yeah. But it's not necessarily traveling, and it doesn't need to, right? He's As long as you have some base, you can drive in an extra run here and there, and you're getting on base yourself. You're making things happen, right? You're, you're still keeping the pitcher that much more aware of your potential and that much more aware of your of your productivity. Same thing with Bo. I, Craig, I think you nailed it. He's driving balls right up the middle. He's not trying to pull anything. Right. And I, and I think that's important because like he's finding ways to beat the shift, right? He's finding ways to, to just put the ball into play and to just hit just for contact. I can't stress that enough. And I think that's the difference maker for these players. And going back to Vlad about having fun with the game, like it was, it's the little things, right? When, uh, Rowdy got his first hit in the first game against the Yankees. Obviously, he's joking, but Vladdy's like, the ball, get the ball, that's his first <laughs> hit, get the ball, as if he's a rookie, right, about Rowdy. He's just trying to tease him. And I, I just think that when you have that aura, it's almost like Big Poppy-esque. When you have that aura, you're just trying to have fun, it bleeds to the other players on your team. And going back to Ryu, man, it's been phenomenal, dude. Like, watching that performance, 
it's just like watching Picasso. He's just like yeah. making art out there, and it's let oh, me paint it here. Effortless, yeah, it's effortless, <laughs> and it's just it's massaging the pitches. He's not like <laughs> driving them in for for power, even though he has the ability to do that. It's just massaging it into the place, and it's just it's perfect. It's it, I, we haven't had a pitcher like this maybe since Price because Price was that good when he pitched for us in 15 but before that since maybe Holiday oh, and even sure. though you know the he might not be as talented as Roy Halladay and that's not a knock on Ryu at all just Halladay was just a beast in and of itself but the way he approaches the game reminds me a lot of Burley even though Ryu is I think a better pitcher than Burley just his approach and at the speed in which he pitches and the confidence and just the let's just go kind it of is prime at least Burley yes right? I, yes by the time the Blue Jays saw Burley, you know, that was not the same past. guy we watched with the White Sox for years, yeah, throwing right. no-hitter oh, yeah. games. But Ryu is definitely a par above and unsung oh, yeah. hero of Major League Baseball pitchers. You know what yes. I mean? In that stat I dropped on you guys a few minutes ago, nobody would even expect him on the list or like be in the top five right. or the top ten Major League Baseball pitchers when they're doing the MLB Network countdowns and stuff like that. I think he was number nine on that list he snuck in <laughs> so which is saying a lot and yeah. the fact that he does do that is just insane and we get to play every fifth or sixth day is great yeah oh, i yeah. feel i'd like if i if we were in the mindset of being an opposing fan whether it's over the last few weeks a yankees fan probably be like how the hell does this guy who tops out at 91 on his possible pitch make Aaron Judge and join Carlos Stanton late on a fastball. Yeah. But he would just be the kind of guy that drives me nuts being an opposing fan because it's like, man, he just seems so hittable. He doesn't throw hard, but he's just – it's just – yeah, it, it, it's he's Picasso. That's the best way of putting it, Adam. It really is. <laughs> yeah, of these three players, like it, it, it's really hard for me, even though you sort of joked about it but we're serious, Brendan, about just being confident in all three. I don't understand how you can't be. Right. And, and I right. think when you have Ryu coming out every fifth or saying, you know what you're going to expect here and out. And with the addition of Vladdy being just so confident, Bo being confident. And once you think they're producing well now, which they are, wait until Springer's in this lineup. Right. Because the, I, I, I sincerely think that even though they might not be future, imagine Bo batting third uh, and Springer first in or Bo second let's try that right Bo I mean Springer first Bo second and Vladdy third oh man oh, <laughs> that is an incredible one two three not the mention get her and everybody back and, and, four, and, and <laughs> just run with it yeah yeah you, you can't pitch around that especially how they are right now you can't pitch around Good that so in lock they, yeah they are <laughs> i agree brendan i think all three you should be confident uh moving forward um all right we're, we're sort of uh going over i know it's whatever but I uh, I the fans on twitter brought out the fact yeah. that steven matts and um oh shoot i forget who the other one was they mentioned uh, and ray looking good this last good standouts oh, yeah. too going forward just because of the fact that I kind of thought there was something in the tank there, guys. I don't know what you're – I know you guys are in that same school of thought with me, but most of the Blue Jays nation have them written off. So, uh, or at least to a point. For Mads, at least. I think the expectations were quite high given spring training. Good, not like, oh, my God, he actually could be good. Right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it'd be like this. Um, I was quietly confident in Robbie Ray continuing what he was doing from spring training because at least he's done it in the past. It's really – if Ray can build on and start, which I very much believe he can – 
then last year looks like a true outlier in terms of his career where he's just walking everybody because his mechanics for whatever reason even though he was coming off two really good years in a row well maybe not good good years in a row in 2018 2019 he says like i'm gonna fuck with my mechanics and it backfired on him and now he's back to throwing strikes way more consistently ray's outing even though they lost on monday was super encouraging to and combining that with how Ryu and mess up to this point the rotation that we were all thinking, oh, okay, I mean, outside of Ryu, I don't know what the hell we're going to get. I'm starting to feel confident three out of the five turns to the yes. rotation are going to be soft moving forward. And as soon as Pearson or Hatch get back and there's a fourth in that mix, watch out because they could start winning games like 3-2 or 4-2 if the offense isn't hitting and it'll just give the offense more time to figure their shit out. And then uh, to one of our Twitter fans' uh, questions earlier, Pearson threw a bullpen, and it went well. To, and the mm-hmm. key word was, um, I think, 100% uh, intensity was what they were more or less saying during that. Yeah. Did they mention during right. the broadcast today how well he bounced back from that bullpen session? I just other I knew they talked about it, but that's all I remember. No, it's just been sort of he looked good, and he's progressing. The, yeah. the word progressing has been used a lot, and – incremental progression or large-scale progression we don't know um him like uh springer i wouldn't expect until may i think yeah. they're gonna play it very safe with both of them yeah springer that really is almost like a trade deadline early right <laughs> yeah uh, early trade deadline absolutely it seems like just based on broadcast last night springer is not traveling with the team so he's staying back in dunedin and buck and pat were saying last night that with the Rays and the Marlins being so close, um, they are having like live competitive at bats, and Springer's going to start taking some then. So I, I'm, I'm leaning towards you, Adam, with May. It really depends on how some of these ABs go uh, and how he feels next week when they come back to Dunedin uh, for next weekend. Well, uh, speaking of May, let's move on to our final topic. Uh, last Friday, yeah, there you go, segue points. Uh, <laughs> last Friday it was announced that the Bisons, the Buffalo Bisons, will open up their season in Trenton, New Jersey, uh, leading many to see the writing on the wall that the Jays will be returning to Buffalo <laughs> at some point in the very near future. Now, this wasn't you know, sort of an outlandish session with the border issues and COVID being a thing. I think we all thought that eventually they're going to end up going to Buffalo, given also the heat that is produced in Dunedin come like May and early June. Um, hopefully Human this means F is about the best way. Yeah, I can write. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully uh six thirty seven game time. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, that was going to be more like a nine o'clock at night. Just hold hey, and you could pray to hey. God. That would be nice enough to swing a bat and, and not be. Bring hey. <laughs> <laughs> 67 game times at Salem field. Speaking of Salem field, they'll be go- undergoing some sort of construction uh, recently, they will be in, in preparation for the Jays' arrival. The current plan right now, as of I understand it, is the plan to play in Dunedin through May 24th, after which the likelihood of a return to Buffalo is very high. Now, Craig, you are, you are our resident Western New Yorker. Do you think that the travels uh, and the flip-flopping of home fields will be a detriment to the Jays, or do you think these adjustments have been no stranger to the Blue Jays, and they will make adjustments rather quickly and just produce. Honest, selfish opinion. I think the Blue Jays are going to love being back in Buffalo because that's where they have won most recently. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think they are 
they might feel that there's something to the ta- you know something that refills the tank moving back to Buffalo. Hey, we were here last as champions. Class Ric Flair. <laughs> so, um, I honestly think that could be a giant shot in the arm for this team as far as uh, getting them up and moving and really, especially offense guys. No offense to the new ballpark Renan's not in Dunedin, but that's a big damn wall all the way out around the, that field, yeah. regardless of yeah, what's going true. on. Um, I, I get the idea of them doing that was to get the dimensions to play like the Rogers Center, which is the reason that they quote unquote changed those walls around in the you know the little ballpark down in Dunedin. But in all reality, it's kind of a hindrance for now a regular season baseball game. You know, those walls look like they're like 10 feet tall all the way around. So you go back to Buffalo, where they had been done but tee up home runs at a record-setting pace basically last year in a 60-game season. I think that this is the difference in the world, and if the pitching can hold on together like it's been doing right now, this is a very dangerous team heading back in the Buffalo, and it could be the reason that they get a nice, like I said, a little catalyst to run right into the playoffs. What do you yeah, I don't. I don't think it's uh, going to be an issue uh, for pretty much all the points that Craig just made. I uh, I really think that this decision is more so to get some more money in their pockets from fan revenue. Surely there will be well, there will obviously be more fans there because it's a bigger stadium. Um, I think it's about six thousand people. I'll look it up while you're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the case. That's great. I mean, at least there's some people coming through. And another thing that I've noticed a lot on Twitter recently uh, is uh, there's more and more Blue Jays fans that I in their bio with Buffalo, New York as a location of where they're based, and. If they go back there for a second straight year, play good baseball, get the city excited, you could start making the case that Buffalo is a Blue Jays city, uh, city because there's a lot of Yankees fans there. There's a lot of Yankees fans in Rochester. Um, and, and, Craig, for people like yourself who can drive the hour across the state. Oh, I'll be there. Yeah, apparently be they're there. looking to hire. So maybe I'm just yep, peace I'm out of here, fellas. See ya. <laughs> hey, yeah, go for it, man. That's not a bad idea. The hot um, dog's like the conehead. <laughs> yeah, beat the new conehead. But, uh, yeah, Toronto at some point. But with just how slow the vaccine rule effective it seemingly has been. We're getting close to 15 or 20 percent of all of Ontario, but that's still not good enough to this point to make me feel good. And I don't know if you guys saw this. I think I retweeted it. Um, if you want Ontario right now, Japan uh, announced travel restrictions uh, were strengthened for two countries around the world, and they singled out of Ontario. Wow. Japan as a Canada, country. The spot. Was, it was, they, they, they flat out in the province of Ontario uh, for having tighter travel restrictions, or I'm not sure if they banned it or not, but yeah, Ontario's not doing well right now. So it, it's harder and harder to believe that they will be back. As I said before recording, I just hope that there there will be a chance to at least go see a game in Buffalo because I think that'd be, be so cool. Craig, when we went back in 2019 to see the Bisons there, I'm like, man, I hope Buffalo in the future could be in contention for an MLB uh, an MLB franchise. It was just so fun. And I think the city would really love having their own baseball team there. If they can call the Blue Jays home for a little bit longer and we can go and see a major league game there, I think that'd just be the coolest thing ever. And then get the fuck back to Toronto in 2020. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that area of Buffalo is a rarity in sports, similar to how the Blue Jays and the Raptors and everything are in the downtown area of Toronto, just to give everybody the ballpark idea here. 
Right. Right in that same area of the city is the Buffalo Sabres and the Junior Hockey League Practice Center Center, the actual yep. Buffalo Sabres Arena in the first Niagara Center. And then Salem Field is literally five feet down the street. And then around that is just bars, food, drinking, breweries, shopping, everything. So it's very – if you were going to be putting a stadium somewhere, the Buffalo Bills have been wanting to move downtown for – basically since the inception of Buffalo, as much as I love going out to Orchard Park for a <laughs> good tailgate and a f- football game, it is something to say for being right in downtown, but that's where the, bl- the Bills would be sacrificing going downtown. The tailgating there would be toast, and that will never happen. Bills culture all the way. <laughs> Tables and yeah. ladders and chairs, oh my. <laughs> so, that being said, it is a great spot to go see a br- ball game as Brendan got the pleasure of joining me in chicken wings and uh, baseball and then beers afterwards, and um, I think yeah. that was stumbling, walking. I think we got back home all right. <laughs> okay, somehow. But your point to there being a bunch of bars around there, found that out very much firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to know something funny? Adam, you mentioned I was just going through underneath that Rays series on the 24th they have in Dunedin, Florida. After that, the first home series after that, that could home opener, is against the Marlins, just like last year was. Oh. And that's when the season changed. I'm not going to say that they will be in need of a spark, but uh, if it plays out similarly to it did last year, for it. Yeah, yeah. Look, so I think the, the adjustment so. is going to be uh, that difficult for them right i i think that they're familiar with the ballpark they're going to make more hopefully just to the home side and the away side is just like a tent yeah just as long as the yankees whenever whenever they come to town they get the pop tent i don't care because i want to hear clint frazier and company bitch go to the tent apparently they're putting a pen in in the back (laughs) they're not putting them on the sides anymore so the the bullpens for each respective teams are going to be behind the fence in the back which is good like there's a safety protocol for that i think that's that's good um but Look, this ball club, I think, to this team in particular, now if this was the 2015 Blue Jays, I think they'd be rip shit. And I honestly think this would be a detriment to them. But seeing as though this core has come up through and they are familiar, very familiar with this field, not just from last year, but obviously in the minors, I think they're ready to go. And I think they're looking forward for Buffalo to be their home and to play in front of a crowd, like you guys just said. Um, we, We sort of touched on it, but... Uh, Craig, I do think you're right. Right now, it is six thousand fans can be allowed. Um, I just did the math, so is it- <laughs> it's six thousand fans if they follow oh. the. I think it's still allegedly fifteen percent. Okay, is the capacity right. here in New York State for a big event like that? So Salem Field being, uh, I just lost it. But anyway, it's about twenty five hundred fans at fifteen percent. So, okay. so it's yeah. but that's a solid amount because that's basically I think the actual full capacity for the Dean ballpark is like five or six thousand right so you're talking okay what 70 people (laughs) yeah it sounds like a spring training game every time you see them play in Dunedin but you know it's the fact that they're going to be playing or the potential to be playing in front of a larger crowd and to have that energy specifically from Buffalo which we know they can bring the energy exactly (laughs) and the fact that they probably brought new fans last year in the Western New York area. Um, I can attest for that. Yeah, there you go. I, I think this is going to be big for them, and I think there's going to be a lot of energy and a lot of making for them to play well. Um, Craig, I, I sort of cut you off earlier. You said, there are there more comments, questions, or something? Oh, no. Um, oh, right. no, sorry. <laughs> all right, no, all good. I just didn't know. If I was trying to get the to inject in there of the fans being actually out there. Yes. Not to mention, apparently, I'm going to apply for a grounds crew uh position there you go <laughs> the Salem field is hiring grounds crew members cashiers cooks 
porters and stand managers. So, you know, you and do I guess see if they get a part-time job <laughs> outside of my other new job? I will weekends. <laughs> yeah. In fact, also this, you you legitimately will be able to attend these games. Now, last year it was just like, oh, I can go in the outfield or I can go behind and watch them stand the on the freaking highway like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. police to come get rid of you. Yes. Yeah. Nothing to see here, move along. Yeah. You know? Like out of the three of us, you can be the resident person that's able to see them on a re- however often you are able to, but you'll be able to do it. And I, I know right now Cuomo is challenging the legality of um, Erie County saying you can only go to events if you are fully vaccinated. That's in sort of legal dispute. But if that's the case and they don't go back to Canada, which it, Brad and I agree with you, it's probably not likely this season. Yeah. Come July, August, if they're like, all right, if you're vaccinated you're in full capacity, yeah. oh man. Oh, man. Well, I'll, I'll even give you that because here in here in uh, Monroe County, where I live, they're, they're yeah. they've gotten to the point allegedly that a quarter of the people, so every one uh, or one out of four people, have gotten at least their first shot here in Monroe County. Go. Wow! Like I said, I was shocked I was even allowed to go the other day because they weren't talking about opening my healthy age group of 36 out until like you know basically june right so but that's pretty good I, one thing i is a very long fact about rochester in the midst of all the fun and what we used to have here in the kodak and xeroxes and uh, apparently some one from some certain country during world war ii actually wanted to bomb our economy back to the stone age by taking rochester new york out <laughs> but um the medical industry has always been something crazy here in Rochester, and we have some of the best research. And they actually were testing the Pfizer vaccine at the University of Rochester here in uh, Rochester when it all was, quote-unquote, deemed ready for testing. So mm. I think be rolling here in western New York a little bit quicker. And if we're doing those kind of numbers here, I would think that Buffalo is probably in that same ballpark. So Cuomo and his whole infinite dumb fuckery. Yes, I said it. <laughs> Make everybody use those damn cards to get into the ball game because in my opinion by the time that um you know the blue jays and whatnot are going to be back here in town that's going to be closer to you know every two people you know half of the half of the area here is going to be closer to being done in the next month if we're talking about this ridiculous cliff that we're doing here in western new york and um like i said we might be leading that part right now it's a little weird but (laughs) it is what it is but if that gives us some blue jays time and i can bring better coverage to everybody here on the show i'm gonna do it i have to do one show where i'm literally sitting in the stands and barking at you guys through my mask (laughs) (laughs) look man if you're able to do it and you're around people that are fully vaccinated more power to you absolutely uh i'm I'm glad we all agree that buffalo is a good destination for them not that dunedin's bad home would be better but yes, I, I do think do. <laughs> Buffalo is a good consolation. Um, all right, before we wrap up, let's uh, predict the next two series. Um, they're traveling to Kansas City, I think, four games, is it? Yep. And four. then two against Boston? Uh, yes. Okay, so, uh, Brennan, we'll start with you. Of those six games, what do you think they're going to be doing? Uh, you know, I said the same thing last week about a four-game series. I hate four-game series, so I'm going to be conservative and say two out of four against Kansas City. I'm just going through the probables right now. We still don't know who's pitching for Toronto, but tomorrow is Jacob Junis, who's actually pretty decent uh, for Kansas City. Um, Friday, Mats against Mike Miner, who the Blue Jays have hit in the past, including this current core of Blue Jays. Uh, Saturday, Robbie Ray gets his second start against Brady Singer, who's uh, struggled like crazy, so that looks pretty good. And Ryu gets 
uh, actually Sun Ryu, uh, who's off to a good start. So um, now that I look at that and you got Matt, Ray, and Ryu going in three straight mm-hmm. days, uh, I'm a little more optimistic after looking at that. So you know what? I will take a risk and say three out of four against Kansas City. Um, and being up against Boston, I know Ryu definitely won't be pitching in one of those, but um, I'll just take a split there. So, you know, they go four and two uh, on this next stretch. What say ye, Craig? The Royals sweep their socks. Woo! We're going to put the like socks it. back in their place. <laughs> I hope so, man. They are nine of their last ten. I, like I said, they need to be put back in their place. Just freaking make it happen. Go, right. on, go into their backyard and take a crap. It'll be all right. Remember when the Blue Jays in 2009 in the Fenway Park, first place in the American League East, and the Blue Jays got embarrassed in that series and they never recovered for the rest of the year? That's what's going to happen in this series. The Blue Jays are going to go embarrass Boston and they will never recover. Let's just go with that. <laughs> Killing me. I think uh, Blue Jays will take three out of Kansas City. I have a lot of faith uh, in those three starters. We've been sort of hyping them up. Um, I think they have the ability to take three, no problem. And I do think they split with the Red Sox. So I'm going to go four out of six. Brendan, I think you said the same thing. Um, I would like to see a sweep against Boston. Believe me, I would like to see a sweep against Boston. And, you know, if they are able to do that, I think that's going to be leading credence to what you said, Brendan, the start of the downfall. To the I don't think it's legit. I, I know it's a fun story. They won nine in a row after getting swept by the Orioles. But still, it's I do not see the sustaining. And I think the Blue Jays are the perfect team right now to just really put a damper on that. I'm not drinking uh, the Kool-Aid that Mark DeRosa was passing around this morning on MLB uh, Network. <laughs> no, no. I, look, it's the Red Sox. They're a fun story. <laughs> Great. Cool. Um, <laughs> Go Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, no. Blue Jays a better story. All right, picks to click. Uh, uh, Craig, what do this we is have insulting, for last fellas. Week? That's all I'm gonna. What say. do we got? Oh, <laughs> we all took outfielders. I remember. We all took horrible. Is what it was. We're really down to. Brendan, your pick played a whole one game. I think Teoscar Hernandez. Yep. <laughs> so I'm I'm just gonna call you out, but well, you might be still in the running when I lay out the rest of this nonsense here. Okay. Um, Adam picked Loris Gurriel Jr., who I also yeah, nice. think played a whole three games he also was sick with covid or the the shot he was uh, yeah. sick with the after effects correct yeah. or it was they they thought he might be exposed or something like that or i don't know what it was but... no that was tay oscar and then he actually got it okay yeah right i picked randall gritchick okay yeah I think, I think <laughs> and then our gritchick. fan spot right. the guest spot picked roddy telez who unfortunately had two hits the whole week. So as much as I'd love to get the fans, says, I don't know. Am I really edging you guys out with fucking Randall Gritchick <laughs> over the last week? Of those week? three, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. for sure. He's been the most consistent all year, and even if he hasn't had a good last week, uh, he at least played the majority of the games. Yeah, I give it to you, Craig, and I know yeah, that would be you got it. one for uh, quite a while. So You didn't get one last year. You didn't get on the board once last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because of the whole sixty game season. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been go, a year. I'm just as good yeah. as last quality start for Tanner Roark. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're sort of like the Rowdy Telez story. He was over twenty eight going back from last year yeah. into now. Yes. You know, you were over what sixty, and now you're start. You're, I'm you're hoping here. You're I'm arrived. leaning toward the ballpark here that I'm over thirteen, like Alejandro Kirk was before he knocked one out of the park today. There just saying, hey, go for it. <laughs> Um, that being said, let's let's pick them. Uh, Brennan, do you want to start? Who do you who are you looking at for your picks to cl- your pick to click? Sure. Um, 
last few years, one thing that worked for me was going on the pitching side of things, and I that. So, uh, because I want to get back in front and in the leaderboard, I'm going to go the pitching side of things, and it'll be a starter. Um, I'm going to go Robbie Ray. I think he's going to have a pretty good start on on Saturday. Um, again, I think he looked fine on Monday against the Yankees. There was nothing that was concerning to me. I know those three walks or four walks, but man, he was like those fastballs that he like just missed on the plate could have been called a strike by another mm-hmm. umpire. And yep. his his line and his overall pitch count could have allowed him to go maybe even six. If that was the case. So the new and improved Robbie Ray I'm going to roll with for this one. And for some reason, I just really like the guy. I don't know what it is. He just likes a, like a cool dude out in the mound. I think he's pretty even keeled, probably a good guy. So Robbie Ray for me. There you go. What do you got, Craig? Uh, I'm just going to fly, fly the Vladdy train for my second. I'm going to pick him go. for the second time for this season. There you go. I just want to, you know, I just finally won one. I got, I want to kind of like make it two in a row just to make sure that I'm sure. Not, not a horrid waste. But with my like, <laughs> you take you take starters because you have one maybe two max opportunities. So if you yes. have one good start, you're on board. Where six games in a row for a position player, they can have an O for or something. Yeah, that's Bingo. true. That's true. Um, you know what? I, I'm gonna let's go rowdy. I think oh, he's gonna turn it, it around. Let's I go like rowdy. I was actually leaning in that same direction too for a second. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm rowdy. just gonna take his counterpart. You know. <laughs> It, the the worst thing, my, I know it's not his decision, but the worst thing the front office on analytics alone can do is try to get him out because he's just starting to break out of the slump. And if yeah. he gets an off day for no reason just because of analytics, I yeah. think it's going to fuck him up. So hopefully they don't do that. Um, he needs some consistency to run into it. Yeah. Here. I really think, like we were talking about earlier in the show, his approach is looking more like his normal approach the last two games. I think he's finally gotten to the point where, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to go back to doing what I was doing. Game on. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he homered off of a lefty yesterday, too. And Mike Miner starting Friday, who's a lefty. Let him play. Let him, Let play. him play. I don't Let see a go. reason never to start him against lefties anyway. It's not He's not Adam Linding anywhere here. No. <laughs> <laughs> or no. even uh, like you mentioned earlier, Colby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but all right, guys. Blue Jays fans, okay. get. I'm gonna make sure after this because nobody feeding in after all the, you know, fun chat that we've had so far this game. You know, apparently when it comes to picks to click, nobody really wants to be official. <laughs> so they don't want to lose. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I'm over, after all the, the all the mats feedback that we got. I'm about to pencil in Stephen Mats for the slash guest spot this week and just make him deal with it. But I, I'll put it out that's on Twitter. That's a bad way to do it. Do yeah. that. He had the most buzz outside of who we've been talking about this week. So let's yeah. put Matt's down for the guest spot. And if any of you want to correct me out there, you know, make sure you hit us up. Make me change the pick or I'll write a couple in. <laughs> give them give them a chance until tomorrow at 8, uh, 8.09 before the first pitch is thrown. Whoever gets the most votes, that's the guest spot. There you go. <laughs> well, that being said, uh, we are optimistic about uh, future within the next two series. Uh, we are feeling good about the first 12 games of the season. Um, you know, given the hiccups that we talked about from the three players, there are still positive things to extrapolate from this team. And the best is just starting. And then when George Springer gets on this team, watch out. I think it's going to be a, a very fun ride. But that being said, that's going to conclude today's show. We thank you for joining us. If you join us live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all the above Twitch, uh, we appreciate you joining in on the fun. We hope you can have you again next week. Remember, on Thursday, for the next four Thursdays, 
that is when we are going to be live. If you are listening to us on the podcast feed, and we appreciate it, and we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever we get podcasts fixed, we'd appreciate it if you give us five stars and a quick review on Apple Podcasts if you are consuming the product there. We appreciate it. Subscribe to us also on YouTube, as I mentioned. Uh, like, share, tell your friends about it. Tell your fellow Blue Jays fans about our show. We appreciate it. And uh, let's close this out like we always do. Two claps. Ric Flair. Let's go, Blue Jays. Woo! Let's go, Blue Jays. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.